All right. Well, I, I want to welcome Keith Burke back to the studio, and you brought your daughter with you. Yeah. This yeah. isn't like take your daughter to work with you. <laughs> no. uh, she's taking me. Actually. Yeah, she's taking yeah, you. She's... Well, this is Professor Keith Burke, who has been a guest on my show, um, both podcast and on uh, my radio show. And so I appreciate you not only coming and bringing your daughter, but uh, um, but thinking of me in this in this uh, in this context now. Your daughter is Grace, and Grace, what's your full name, and where are you, where are you studying at this point? Um, my full name's Grace Burrich, and I am a history PhD student at Case Western Reserve. All right. Um, so, you, Keith, you, you got a hold of me because you said your, your daughter was, uh, had been interested and started doing research on the throughway controversy associated with the Seneca Nation, mm-hmm. and uh, I found that kind of interesting because not a whole lot of people take uh, take mm-hmm. that kind of interest so um it was great to get the call and uh, and i think this is a conversation that uh, that, that i'm looking forward to having yeah. so uh again tell me how you you first got interested in in the throughway issue in the first place um so well i grew up in buffalo and you know whether i was going to ohio for school or you know to visit family I would drive on the stretch of the 90 and I would see the sign when you first, whether you're coming east or west, um, when you enter Seneca territory. And the sign says there is a fee assessed for each vehicle passing through Seneca territory. Um, and New York owes us over $675 million, it says, um, <laughs> in mon- and, and uh, reimbursements and and. Money and, and that's just so, not trying to calculate the, the toll they're collecting yeah. in that section of road. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a, a strange dichotomy that exists. I mean, we are in a constant battle with New York State over mm-hmm. things like commerce, over taxation, over the things that we do here in general, land use, and yet the state, um, the entire country has unfettered access mm-hmm. through our territory via the, the road system, not just the throughway uh, and interstate, but you know, they have rail that runs through Seneca mm-hmm. territory. They're, they have power lines and gas lines. Mm-hmm. They've got secondary roads that are that are their roads. They aren't our roads. Yeah. And those roads weren't put there for our benefit. They were put there so they could traverse our territories more easily. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of a strange relationship in terms of what the how the state views their selves, themselves, their economy, their commerce, and how they view ours. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it, it seems like there's kind of a... A double standard. Um, New York has no problem kind of taking your lands and, and using it for whatever they need, but um, they have problems when, when you try to fight back with that. Well, even things like like trying to get proper reporting. Yeah. We don't know what hazardous materials travel the, the, mm-hmm. that rail system yeah. or, the, or the highway system goes through. They don't report necessarily to the Seneca Nation. There, there's no, you know, we don't have any real hazmat um, relationship with mm-hmm. them. I mean, if, if an accident happens, it happens. And, yeah. uh, and we're just victims of mm-hmm. it, in spite of the fact that this is a distinct you know, piece of land that is not New York State. And I think that's one of the things, and you mentioned you know, Lauren Hoffman. Um, I mean, he, he does a, a good job explaining um, through, through his analysis of history that this land has never really been ceded. Mm-hmm. And so it is not... New York State. It's not the United States. And in fact, there are there's language in treaties that we didn't write mm-hmm. that that clearly say that. And so it's it the, the relationship is really really peculiar because that is uh, is not 
something that the, the state or the federal government can actually claim, mm -hmm. uh, even as they try to claim us as part of their citizenry. So it's a, it's a really strange relationship. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and I mean, to this, um, the construction of the thruway matches up pretty closely with, you know, termination that didn't end up actually happening, but um, it, it happened so close together. It's just a really interesting Well, it happened to a, to a lot of other Yes, yes, it did, yeah. Uh, a lot of people, the, the whole termination era wasn't, I mean, it doesn't, it, it sounds, um, you know, like like ex extermination, but what termination really was, was, was the United States saying they no longer had a trust responsibility mm -hmm. in the relationship and that they no longer longer needed to recognize us as a distinct people, that they somehow had effectively assimilated us enough um, to to claim that we were part of their, again, the part of their citizenry, you know, part of, you know, under their jurisdiction and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but there's a lot of stuff that hangs out that, that, doesn't, that doesn't back that up. And, yeah. and so that's why termination didn't happen uh, all the way across the board for all Native territories. And different peoples had different standing when it, when it came to resisting that. And, mm -hmm. But there was no question when you're talking about in the 50s, when, when the throughway was being proposed and, and, and imposed on the Senegas, we weren't in the strongest situation back mm -hmm. then. We understood that that termination era was, was a real possibility. And, and we saw, you know, other native territories going through this thing. And, you know, frankly, we had gone through the whole, you know, uh, battle over, you know, we were still in the midst of that battle over Kinzua, mm -hmm. which, where they took 10,000 acres. Yep. And they don't actually take it. They just condemn it and literally burnt our villages mm -hmm. with the promise of, of we'll build you new houses someplace else. Yeah. And so this throughway situation is, is happening hand in hand with, with this whole thing. And, Knowing what we had, you know, what actually we would ultimately experience with Kinzua, because the time frames, you know, actually Kinzua in, to uh, in total would happen after the throughway mm -hmm. uh, situation. Yep. But it, um, it, we weren't in a strong position to, to negotiate even, you know, we weren't in as strong a position as we are today. And so it's, a, it's sometimes tough through, through today's lens to understand, well, why didn't the Senecas fight more? Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, what what when you looked at that negotiation, what what was the most stark um, points that that you saw that came came from it in terms of what was actually paid, um, uh, what the relationship would be that the Senecas could even maintain with that land, which wasn't being forfeited or or ceded; it mm -hmm. was really an easement. So yeah, so talk to me what what your research has shown. Um, <laughs> I mean, w what it's shown is one. I was shocked at how fast it went. Um, it, you know, they, first off, they announced the project in Buffalo um, before they even took it to the Seneca Council, which that was, I mean, it's not surprising, but it's just ri ridiculous. Um, and then it, it moved really, really fast. And it seems to me that it was very pressured, um, that, you know, they didn't, Yes, there was an agreement at the end or sort, but it wasn't sort of a fair agreement. It was an agreement that the Seneca Nation was happy with, but that more so that New York forced them to. Um, and and like I mentioned, um, one of the officials in their talks with the Seneca Nation, you know, 
quoted, we had a frank conversation. And um, that stood out to me because I'm assuming, and as um, Lawrence Hopman assumes, frank conversation means they basically were like, you have no way to fight this. Don't fight this. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and again, looming in the background was being in the midst of this termination era mm -hmm. yep. where, uh, where the government could actually take the position that the Seneca Nation no longer existed as mm -hmm. a distinct people, which is, which is really ironic because we're in the midst right now of a challenge because of the uh, Indian Child Welfare Act yep. where you've got a family in Texas bankrolled by, by big oil trying to reduce us to a mere inferior race mm -hmm. of Americans. Yep. And so that distinction is something that we're always faced with somewhat of a challenge for. And, and that's mm. what the Seneca Nation was facing. And, and they had to do their own calculation. The yep. three-mile stretch of road, you know, is, you know, how much should they fight it? Um, and what could they demand? I mean, the Seneca Nation expected not only to get paid for, uh, had that easement paid for, mm -hmm. which they got a pittance for. Yeah. It was like $70,000. 75000 was the was the total. I mean, I, I know that the... Uh, the state paid some other um, private landowners uh, some additional funds, but uh, but that's all the Seneca Nation received was seventy five thousand dollars. And when the Seneca said, "Well, if this is going to be a toll road, we're entitled to some of that toll," mm -hmm. and they said, "No, you're not." Yeah. And and of course, the throughway was never intended in nineteen fifty four to be a permanent toll road. Mm -hmm. It was supposed to have uh, generated enough revenue to pay for uh, its its construction. Mm -hmm. And of course, we know that. You know, once you start paying a toll, the, the, you know the state's not quick to to give it back, yeah. and um, and so now you've got this this toll road that has existed for you know over half a century, mm -hmm. uh, and th one of the biggest ironies that it, with the whole notion of a toll road is that the indigenous people are also required or, or expected to pay those yep. tolls. Mm -hmm. um, so it was it was obviously a, a very poor deal, um, and. You know what? One of the things that we had heard from some kind of the backdoor conversations was was how the the state felt like they got over on the Seneca, mm -hmm. and they they made comments to that effect. And yeah, they asked for some money, but we told them no. Mm -hmm. And 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 you're right. The the speed with which this this negotiation took place was um, evidence of of how weak a hand the Senecas felt that they had, and how mm -hmm. strong a hand the state had. Yeah. So, as you see that 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 sign and the tally uh, increase, I mean, this is all happening in the midst of, you know, fights over things like gaming revenue mm -hmm. and, and all these other things that are going on. And and of course, during this period of time from the fifties till now, we've we've had multiple battles with the state that sometimes played out on that very throughway. Yeah. Uh, over taxation and mm -hmm. that kind of stuff, we shut it down a few times. And, yeah. Um, there's always that. There's always that looming threat. And of course. There's a certain part of it that that in a way um, haunts us or, or harms us. I mean, when because of the stance that we took over things like the throughway, when it came time for running um, fiber optic cable through, mm -hmm. Sprint ran their their main lines right around the territory. They didn't mm -hmm. they didn't want to they didn't even want to use any of the easements because they felt like it wasn't worth having the the jeopardy of the Senecas you know tearing up our our lines or whatever else. So. Yeah. On one hand, it's it's great to take a strong position on something, but you realize that we are only now 
finally getting high speed internet. We're the last among the last in New York State to, to get that because I did not know because that. of that's how yeah. it all relates back, right? Um, hmm. And you know the other thing that's crazy is <clears throat> some of the other easements like with um, national fuels and stuff like that. We also don't have natural gas uh, available to all the homes here. You would really? think, you know, with running natural gas and, and receiving some of the natural gas from Seneca Territory, mm-hmm. you would think that would be a foregone conclusion that every every home on the territory would have a supply, you know, would be fitted with na- natural gas. And that's not true either. It, it's kind of oh. crazy. Yeah. <clears throat> so... Where where do you where does your research you leave you in um in in what you have looked at and and what's your your conclusions about not only you know what has transpired but what um what possibly will transpire I guess. Well, I guess my conclusions are one: this isn't going to be a fight that's going to obviously end anytime soon. Um, as is clear with all the the court dates and, you know, they just made a ruling back, I think it was January over the court case. Um, but you know, they're spread out over years. So it's, it's not going to go away easy. Um, it's clear from, to me that New York has no desire to, to reimburse the, the Seneca nation or, to negotiate. Or even um, acknowledge that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's kind of just, uh, it is what it is. You well, know? and part of the, just, you know, for those who are, are listening, part of the the legal argument is that New York State did this without any federal approval. Yep. yep. And there is this thing called the the um, uh, Non-Intercourse Act, mm-hmm. which, which requires uh, states to have federal involvement mm-hmm. uh, or approval for any um, land transfer or land use relationship yeah. they have with, and, and that and this is a national thing, mm-hmm. this is a, you know, this is a federal law. And and like so many of these federal laws that are supposedly put in place to, pr- to provide some level of protection, the federal government is real hesitant to, uh, to respond mm-hmm. properly or adequately or, or even legally mm-hmm. to that responsibility. So when you tell the federal government, look, you know, they, this was never approved mm-hmm. and we expect, you know, compensation or, you know, or the federal government to, to, they're supposed to be on our side on this mm-hmm. issue. And the federal government says, yeah, well, kind of a lot of time has elapsed. Yeah. They do, they do some of that, that stuff. So, you know, it's like, it didn't just happen. It's happening every day. Yeah. And, and so this is the, the thing that when we, when we do look to the federal government to fulfill their obligations, whether it's, the Interior Department with gaming, whether it's the federal government as it relates to the Non-Intercourse Act, any of these things, we find that the federal government usually finds ways not to fulfill their obligation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so it begs the question, when we talk about things like termination, where they where they threatened this idea of terminating any trust responsibility, that's, that's a, a word sometimes that I have, or that's a, an expression I have trouble with. Because when we say, talk about this trust responsibility, we all hear the word trust as 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 if it's a virtue, right? Mm-hmm. Like trust, but they are viewing it as if we are somehow their wards mm-hmm. of of the state, essentially. And yeah. we've had we've had had national politicians actually say those mm-hmm. words, but they feel like this is like trust, like a trust, like the, they are the custodians. Mm-hmm. Well, if that's the case, then then it's been an utter failure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. Um, and another thing on the federal government thing that I, I found interesting in my research is that in the 40s, actually, um, New York State contacted the Interior Department 
and asked them what they would need to do to get the land easement. And the Interior Department wrote back um, a letter, a lot of steps. Um, they have to, the land has to be surveyed, um, you know, maps have to be created. They have to get approval. They have to prove that the negotiations were were, were in good faith. Yeah. None of that happened. Of um, you know, none of that happened. And that's part of the fight today is they're saying the federal government was not, did not approve this, was not involved in this. Um, so that was really interesting to well, Not only were not involved, but the state knew the role that yeah. the, the federal government yeah. was supposed to play. And, and you know, it was what the Interior Department did say. I, I mean, it, it's a lengthy process, but for good reason. Um, you know, there's a reason why that was supposed to be like that. Um, but it didn't end up happening, so. That uh, that brings up a, a, something I, 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 forgive me for being a historian. No, uh, please. <laughs> in 1953, the, uh, the the Secretary of the Interior, must have been a new one appointed by Eisenhower, mm -hmm. with Eisenhower just coming out, said that she did not know that there were Indians in New York. Well, you know, and, and that brings up a, a point, and, and I, I bring this up with everything from the mascot debate that, that I've been very involved in, is that today, even, you know, across the U.S. population, somewhere between 20 and 30 percent of the U.S. population doesn't know Native people, that don't know that we still exist. Ooh, and That doesn't surprise me. You know, me. and of course, when you're always casting us as these relics of the past with these images, you know, whether it's for mascots or whether it's, you know, corporations that have used our imagery or our names and that's all we're ever promoted as mm -hmm. and and now even even with our ability to stand up and resist things like the, the go to access pipeline and some of these other you know keystone xl pipeline some of the, the the stance we've taken on so many issues there is still a real high level of ignorance mm -hmm. it, it, which is kind of you know my, one of my arguments when when i'm taking on the mascot issue is that those mascots don't promote any aware awareness of who we are. Mm -hmm. They they really don't even promote an ac accurate picture of who we were. Mm -hmm. But when when I hear people say, okay, but we don't even have any Native people who go to this school. Yeah, but you have white people. Mm -hmm. And you have lots of white people. And those are the same people who are going to serve as the Interior Secretary, perhaps. Or the same ones that are going to be the local congressmen or, the, you know, or, mm -hmm. or work. They're going to be judges. They're going to be law enforcement officials. And the level of ignorance that they grow up with because of the way the system is built. I mean, look, Native people were taught as a period of history that ended with discovery. I mean, mm -hmm. it's like, if you look at, you say discovery, you know, um, uh, Indians, discovery, colonization, mm -hmm. and revolution. And if you look at those and you say, okay, this is when it started and this is when it ended. It, I mean, it just per it fits that so many Americans think that we no longer exist. And the idea that the... Um, the interior secretary, whose responsibility was was native people, would not know that there was any of us left. That also is telling because yeah. there was a real effort to push all native people out of the east, yeah. and you know the Senecas were among those targeted. Mm -hmm. And there was, and in fact, when we talk about things like land, when the Senecas were asked to accept a payment and go to Kansas, uh, which is where they were trying to be relocated to, um, the Senecas said. Well, but if we did this, what would be the status of our land there? And they said, it would be yours, just like the land is here is yours. Mm -hmm. And where many territories are held in trust by the federal government, mm -hmm. this land is actually owned and absolute title is possessed by the Senecas. Mm -hmm. 
they, they call it restricted fee because the only restriction the federal government recognizes is that only they can, can acquire that land. Mm -hmm. But the states can't. The federal government has to be involved yeah. in that. So when you go to other territories, you realize that because of people who are moved to, you know, to relocated through the removal period, that the status of that land is somewhat, somewhat questionable. And this historically, this land, the land of the Senecas and, and many of the Six Nations uh, peoples, the land is not questionable. It is, mm -hmm. it is it's pretty well defined. Where the question comes in is, well, how do you relate to the status of the people if the, if the land is, is not legally part of the United States? And, you know, and so th this ends up being, being a, a big part of that, that question. And uh, the assumption is that the states can treat us as if we are their residents, mm -hmm. their citizens, you know, citizens of the state, mm -hmm. not just of the of the of the country, and you know, and this is where we get into into um, a real um, real peril essentially, because when when we have to look to Congress as as some sort of protectorate to us or mm -hmm. the Interior Department, and neither does that. I mean, getting back to this uh, uh, this. Uh, Indian child welfare, welfare case, we get in this really awkward spot where we where we have to argue that Congress has plenary powers over us, and because that's an assumption that the, the Supreme Court had made, they they suggest that because of the Commerce Clause, that the um, founders of the of the U.S. Constitution, the writers of the U.S. Constitution, intended for Congress to have plenary, which is like essentially absolute power. And yet the Commerce Clause only says Congress shall have the power to regulate commerce with foreign nations among several states and with Indian tribes. Not of Indian tribes, mm -hmm. but with. And it only refers to, to commerce. It doesn't refer to has plenary power, or should have the, the power to regulate all affairs of, of Native people. And yet this is the assumption. And if you listen to that language, if you pay attention to that language, to suggest that Congress has plenary powers over us, would suggest that they have plenary powers over all foreign nations because it's it's the same language, yeah, right? Yeah. So when we we find ourselves in a situation like the Struy battle where we've got to turn to the federal government and say, look, you're supposed to uh, you know step up here, or in the situation where uh, where we're fighting th this this ICWA challenge to say, well, well, Congress has power over the states mm -hmm. when it relates to uh, to Native people, and yet there's a part of us that say. But we never really gave you, we didn't give you, you that power either. Mm -hmm. So we were trying to choose whether, whether we should, you know, have Congress, you know, be our protectorate when there's no actual legal basis to suggest that we had given that to them. Mm -hmm. So when we get in these situations, whether, whether it's a land use issue like, like the Thruway or whether it's our, our battles with New York State over gaming revenue or in this situation where you would think that we would have control or, or some the say over our own children. I mean, yeah. I, I know a lot of people praise this Indian Child Welfare Act because they, they attribute it to the ending of residential schools and, um, and the foster care and adoption systems that were so abusive towards, towards Native people, taking children literally and, and putting them in, in white homes to be raised. But what people don't realize, and, and, and I'm one of the, probably one of the few voices that condemns ICWA, is because it still didn't give us the recognize our authority over mm -hmm. our own children, yeah. our 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 rights over our own. It, what 
ICWA did was it put guardrails up. So you have Congress that says, we're still not going to recognize their sovereignty, but we're going to recognize the value of their culture. So we're going to tell the states that you have to place children within within Native homes. Mm -hmm. But they they still don't defer to our courts or our nations to say, you decide where where the place when a child needs to be removed from a home and where that home is that the child should be placed. Yeah. And that kind of failure creates a peril down the road mm-hmm. because you know and we've seen this play out in places like Hawaii where the question is can a state or can the federal government create um a level of program or or a law that gives a special privilege to um to Native people, whether it's Native Hawaiians or whether it's here. The challenge always is, and this is why during the Barack Obama administration, they wanted to declare Native Hawaiians an Indian tribe because they said, well, we've, we've kind of have some established laws that, that says we wouldn't be violating the Equal Protections Clause of, you know, of, of the Constitution if we did something with, the, with Native Hawaiians just like we do with Native people. The problem is the Native Hawaiian says, yeah, but you didn't do so well with the Native people on the continent. Yeah, either. we so, don't want any of that. <laughs> so, I mean, and I bring all this stuff up because there's a tendency to silo an issue. Like, this is just about the mm-hmm. through uh, And yeah. so whether we talk about gaming, whether we're talking about children, whether we're talking about land use, I, I think all, the, all of these things have to be understood within the context. Mm-hmm. New movie coming out, I've talked about it on my show, um, coming out in October, is Killers of the Flower Moon, yes, uh, yep. about the murders of the Osage. Yep. And I actually talked to the, the author of the, the book, and I said, you never mentioned Tulsa. I mean, it happened 30, 40 miles down the road yep, the and, at, and at the same time. And he said, you're right. Mm-hmm. And now when I listen to these guys, both the you know Scorsese, the actors, and, and even uh, David Grant, the writer of the book, they mention it now. Because I think it's important that if you're gonna if you're gonna frame something around white supremacy, like the the taking of this land for the yeah. throughway, because we we clearly did not have an equal footing at the table, mm-hmm. when we actually should have had more than an equal footing, we should have had the, the we should have been in control because yep. it was it, it was Seneca land, um, but that's not the way it, it plays out. I mean. We get into a battle with the with the governor over gaming revenue, and she freezes the accounts of the entire Seneca Nation yeah. to squeeze a payment out, and then she turns around and gives it to the local billionaire to build a football stadium. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's you, when you understand that racism, is, and, and it's certainly not the Republicans don't have a mon- monopoly on racism. We see yeah. this, you know. We've we've had terrible relationships with with Democratic governors mm-hmm. in the state of New York, yep. and we've seen some terrible pieces of legislation that have been signed at the federal level, even when there was a Democrat in the White House. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that I that that makes me prefer Republicans over mm-hmm. Democrats, but it also what it tells me is that that neither part of that political spectrum um, will ever place a priority on doing what's right. When at the at the end of the day, doing what's right with with native people, mm-hmm. they're always going to frame it about their national interest. So even when you put a native woman like Deb Hallen in the uh, interior secretary, a cabinet position, she doesn't work for us. Mm-hmm. She works. At, she serves at the pleasure of the president of the United yep. States. Yep. And the national interest is is always going to be what their their responsibility is. And you know, and I say this about native people who run for congress or senate or or you know local positions. It 
once you have taken on that responsibility, your your commitment is to your constituency, it which as a percentage of uh, of our population, we represent very little of that. Yeah, and you know so. Oftentimes, we don't have a system in place that gives us power. Mm-hmm. And so when we take on a, a situation like a fight over the throughway, sometimes it does mean we spill out onto the highway. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes it does mean that we have to, you know, grab as many people, friends and allies, native and non-native, to, to join with us, 10,000 people showing up at Standing Rock mm-hmm. or, or whatever else. We, we don't have a process because when we talk about remedy, administrative remedy, the court system is clearly skewed. Oh yeah, and, and and that's why we have such a hard time when we bring up even some of these clear-cut federal statutes or pieces of federal legislation that are in violation. The the courts are real hesitant, and mm-hmm. and of course that means all the way up to the Supreme Court because the Supreme Court is always looking at issues that may establish not only um, a precedent but may have other. Um, impacts beyond the, the ruling, you know, that they're dealing with. And so they, they try to take this, this bigger view and, and oftentimes that bigger view is not going to support um, doing what's right by the letter of their own law when it comes to Native people. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think going back to what you said is um, before about how you can't isolate these incidents because they truly are connected. And I mean, they go back as far as you know, when Europeans first arrive on America, they're all connected, and you know they're going to continue to be connected until it's dismantled um, from from the bottom up. Um, but you know, it's unfortunate most Americans don't know or care about these issues because they're not. It's not really impacting them that much. Well, um, and to the extent that these so so called culture wars, you know, present themselves. You know, most Americans are going to say, well, how does it impact me? Yeah. Or, and even when things don't impact them, like, you know, some of the battles over LGBTQ rights and that kind of stuff. I mean, most people are never going to be confronted with, you know, having to deal with um, a fight over somebody's gender preference or, mm-hmm. or, or gender identity. But they get tied into it, drawn into it because of religious reasons and, and other reasons. And, yeah. uh, and we... We don't um, raise that same level. I mean, it's amazing the pushback we got over the over the mascot issue because, again, you know, yeah. you, you can see white fragility slip in when people say, "What you're taking something away from us?" Mm-hmm. You know, like that. I mean, yeah. And I don't believe most Americans think that will you know that we would ever permanently shut down the throughway, mm-hmm. and uh, and I don't think that's in the interest of the Seneca Nation either or the Seneca people, but. I think when these roads cut through our territory, I think there has to be, at some point, there has to be a responsibility um, by those who in, in power to to understand that 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 there's that there's something due here. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't know how much I don't, I don't know if your research has suggested how much money the the state has collected from the throughway uh, since its opening, but yeah. it's a lot of oh, money. Oh yeah, and yeah. and and again, I I can't downplay the significance that the throughway plays in the economic activity that takes place through the state. Yes. And that's something that's never really fully calculated. The, you know, how does Western New York benefit from the fact that, that the CSX tracks go through the Seneca territory mm-hmm. and 
the the interstate goes through the Seneca territory, including the um, Interstate 86 that mm-hmm. down to Route 17. I mean, if you don't understand that the Senecas have allowed that to happen, you know, even if they were very, very, very much pressured to do so, mm-hmm. and and if you don't put that calculation, we always talk about well, what's the economic uh, impact of gaming, for instance, mm-hmm. and and I don't think that that we should ever reduce what the Senecas contribute to the economics of or the in the commerce of, of Western New York or the or the Northeast for that matter. I don't think we should reduce it just to gaming revenue. Mm-hmm. I mean, there obviously you, you guys come came here to the Seneca territory. You see the number of businesses that exist here. Mm-hmm. Many of these businesses employ non-native people. In mm-hmm. fact, there are probably more non-native people working in, in the Seneca Nation's the nation's businesses, the casinos, the gaming operations, and, and the private sector than the native people. Mm-hmm. So there is an economic impact that goes well beyond gaming and well beyond what the Seneca Nation's day-to-day activities are. Mm-hmm. And, and when I consider the amount of you know, gas that's flowing through, the, the power that's flowing through, the rail that flows through, mm-hmm. the traffic that flows through. I mean, not all of it's uh, economic activity, but but even tourism is an act- economic activity. Yeah. So even if you're traveling, you know, even if you're you're going to work and taking the throughway, you're still adding to the economy because you're paying for that, uh, you're, you're paying a toll for toll, that. Road. Yeah, and then, you know, theoretically, people traveling through New York, they're going to stop at some point, get gas. Um, and, and most of them, Places that they're going to stop are not our territory. Yeah. I mean, you know, we we try to advertise, you mm-hmm. know, you know, cheaper gas and you know, tobacco and, and now cannabis is a big thing. So mm-hmm. we do get a certain amount of that that traffic. Um, for us, at, at least we're only thirty miles from Buffalo. We're not like in you know hundreds of miles away from yeah. a, a major population. So so we we can eke out businesses, but I would still maintain that we don't have. A, an economy on native territory. Mm-hmm. And, and I say that because the dollars that come into our territory leave immediately. Yep. We still have yep. to shop at Walmart or Home Depot or Lowe's or, or Wegmans or whatever else. We, we don't have enough um, commercial activity here for those dollars to stay within our territory. Mm-hmm. I mean, even from a gaming standpoint, for yeah. all the billions of dollars that, that come in, almost half of it goes immediately to the state mm-hmm. through this these bogus revenue sharing agreements, but even what comes to Seneca Nation only comes in and changes hands once or twice before it goes out immediately between vendors, uh, you know, non-native employment, the the amount of money that flows out of Seneca territory and through Seneca territory to no benefit to the Senecas mm-hmm. is something that is that has never been adequately accounted for. Even when the Seneca Nation is trying to make their arguments, <clears throat> um, especially related to gaming and, and the disputes with the state, they don't adequately address not just what income or what, what economic impact there is here on territory, but they also don't, I mean, one of the things that, that I can't help but, but mention is when $2.2 billion left Western New York to go to the state mm-hmm. um, in terms of revenue sharing, that's money that's sucked out of the entire region. Yeah. And if you don't understand the negative impact of that, then, then nobody, including the Seneca Nation, they've hired firms and everything else to, to address economic impact, but they've never, ever assessed the the negative impact of that much money leaving Western New York because mm-hmm. that's coming out of the pockets of, of you know people who are going for entertainment and gambling and gambling yeah. and that kind of stuff. Um, and they have the new those new billboards up on on the 
90 now, um, the stand with Seneca. And, and it's basically about that, you know, the Seneca Nation employs thousands of Western New Yorkers. Um, you know, they, it, it impacts people off the reservation. Oh, there's, too. there's, there's, there's literally thousands of businesses mm -hmm. that do business with the Seneca Nation yeah. or the Seneca people yeah. in, in the private sector. And, you know, and look, we saw when we, we when we had the, the fights over tobacco um, with New York State, there were literally wholesalers that went out of business. Mm -hmm. And those were, were tobacco wholesalers, but they're also they were selling candy and other products. I mean, mm -hmm. these were these were wholesalers that sold to convenience stores. And and these businesses went out of business mm -hmm. because the state had put its foot down so hardly and hard on us that we basically resorted to to native brands primarily in in our territories and which you know which was better for us but it, it, they don't realize how much they they cut their their own nose to spite their face mm -hmm. so to speak i mean there's also there was also master settlement act funds that every car and marlboros that got sold here on territory the state got an extra bonus beyond the taxation um, that they would have gotten otherwise they still got master settlement act funds in fact when i think george pataki was the the governor he actually borrowed in advance um, to balance one of the help balance the budget once, uh, where he, he he took out you know some sort of bond against the um, uh, mass, future master settlement act funds, and I dare say, it probably didn't get paid as timely as they had hoped because mm -hmm. the state was also be, you know continued to push and fight us over uh, over our tobacco sales. So, and look, I. I, I think it's unfortunate that, that we have had to rely so much on gas, gaming, and cigarettes mm -hmm. as, as a part of, you know, the businesses that exist here, the, the commerce that we do have. But because of our relationship with the state and the failure of the federal government to fulfill, fulfill its obligations, we, 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 all, we really have to rely on the large margin issues that we can, you know, that we can capitalize on. Mm -hmm. We we really do have to exploit our regulatory advantages over the the non native businesses and, and everything from gaming to gas to cigarettes mm -hmm. and, and and now cannabis. Um, yeah. And I would love to see us have you know uh, you know strip malls and that kind of stuff and 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 be able to rely only on our tax advantage there. But when you're only if it's only a seven or eight percent tax advantage, that's oftentimes not enough to um, to bring somebody to a place that that isn't exactly you know an urban an urban center yeah so, but it's you know you know, and there's been folks even individuals who have threatened to put um um access to the throughway you know one of the guys uh on, on territory you know started moving dirt around and and you know he thought about creating a, 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 there, a native yeah. held rest stop or that kind of stuff um the seneca nation has considered uh, opening up a rest area mm -hmm. and as a way to see some benefit from the yeah. fact that the that yeah. the state screwed them out of uh, you know that you know all of that real estate, mm -hmm. and you know and you also have to remember that putting the through there cuts off a section of the territory. Oh yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. same with the with the CSX tracks. I mean, our access even to the lake is strained because of things like the throughway and mm -hmm. and some of these other road roadways and and the uh, and of course. It's also in jeopardy. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've seen what happens when when these um, bomb trains, as, as they're called, yeah. derail. Mm -hmm. I mean, just think about how much that could impact not only the the lake, but, mm -hmm. but the Seneca people if something like that happens. And 
And we, again, we don't get any extra consideration when we say we want those trains to slow down to 35 miles an hour when it cuts through. They still fly through. Yeah. It doesn't matter what, what they're carrying. They, they, we have no say. So, and, and the same thing goes for the throughway. We don't know what those trucks are carrying. And, yeah. and you know, and, I mean, it makes more new, a news because somebody in Buffalo might be concerned about the hazardous materials that are traveling on the thruway. Mm -hmm. But we, we have very little, little to say about it. And, and this is part of the, you know, the struggle that we have because we don't have a, a fair seat at the table, so to speak. Yeah. And, and I don't know where this ends up going. I mean, <clears throat> the likelihood is the Senecas will continue to lose in court, but there's you know, as, as again, those throughway signs are part of uh, trying to drum up, you know, the court of public opinion a little mm -hmm. bit more uh, towards towards Native people. Um, we also know that the that the throughway was allowed to go into a sad state of disrepair during the yep. uh, the last Cuomo administration. Yep. He, I mean, they literally had forty five miles. You had to reduce I remember. speed down remember, to forty five yeah. miles an hour we because traveled it yeah, many times. I, uh, going back and forth from Ohio. Yes, I remember. And it, and it wasn't even just the the road conditions. The the bridges that went overhead, there were chunks of concrete falling mm -hmm. onto the onto the road, and 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 part of that dispute wasn't just over over a a, a throughway dispute. It was over the fact that the Seneca's we're demanding that that native people had to have some part of the work essentially mm -hmm. in maintaining the throughway and the state refused i mean uh, andrew cuomo literally redirected federal funds away from fixing the throughway until i think it was the obama administration that said no you you don't get to make that decision mm -hmm. and you know and so you know uh, again the democratic president had to scold the democratic governor uh, the size of the, of the state of New York, yeah. you know, to to do what he shouldn't have had to be told to do, you know, mm -hmm. and that and that's the the insane part of the relationship that exists, and regardless of political party, uh, that exists with um, uh, between the between native people, native leadership, and and state leadership, and I say state leadership because. Our relationship with with the with people in general, mm -hmm. Americans, New Yorkers, mm -hmm. it's actually pretty good. I mean, I'm not saying it's always good. I mean, obviously, we see what happens when we, when we do something like take away their mascots. <laughs> but yeah. um, she was she was at the was at Lancaster. Or yeah, I was with I my dad, there and she she heard all of the. Oh my god! Yeah, I played, I played a pretty big role in that one too. Well, <laughs> I also I live in Cleveland now, um, so I go to the Guardians games mm -hmm. yeah, pretty yeah. regularly. Mm -hmm. I have to bite my tongue. I'll text him, my dad, and and he's like, "It's not worth it. It's not worth it." <laughs> and I'm just, you know, it, it's just it's appalling to me. And you know, their their playoff game last year, there were people with their face painted red. And I I'm know. like, how do you not yeah. see if this? If you understand the black faces right, wrong, right. how do like, you not think the red faces wrong? It's yeah. 2023, <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. And they they'd already changed the name by then, and there were still the, those holdouts yeah. still insisting. Oh, not, yeah, you see the shirts. Yeah. Uh, the oh, yeah. And oh, and, and you know, I, I think some people, they just wear them because they don't have any gear yet, new gear yet, and I think some people wear them because they're digging their heels in. Yeah, I think and they I, it's, make, more, it's more I think it's more that, yeah. Yeah. But no, I mean, but in general... Um, our relationship with with people around our territories, and and it's and it's strange because if you look at the politics out there, I mean, we're all native territories are in fa fairly rural areas. Mm -hmm. Even with yep. Buffalo thirty miles away, yeah. you know, you're gonna 
these are all the Trumpers that live around yeah. here. These are all the the the, the folks that, that thought, thought it was fine to storm the Capitol mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff that live around us. But in spite of that political leaning, our relationship isn't bad with, mm-hmm. with our neighbors. It hasn't always been this way. Yeah. But it, it's not that bad at, at this point. And you know, and I think that's something that that elected officials have to be aware of that when push comes to shove, we do get a fair a fairly good we get fairly good support mm-hmm. from from the local communities. And you know, I don't know at what point you know we cross a line with with some of those folks, but but I think defending things like like our nobody likes paying for the throughway. Mm-hmm. Nobody likes to pay that toll. Yeah. And I think anybody who travels that that throughway can appreciate the Seneca position if they understand it. And, exactly. And so that's part of... And that's what I'm trying to do. But I'm hoping your, your research, you know, as, as you develop, you know, um, you know uh, something that's publishable out of this thing, I, I hope that we can, we can use it to, um, to promote the issue. You know, I think even the Seneca people themselves, they know what our vulnerabilities are when it comes to things like... Um, like New York State, it, it, I mean, they the nation depends on its gaming revenue, mm-hmm. but I don't think the 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 rank and file Senecas can appreciate how much that that throughway today still impacts their lives, and mm-hmm. and I think when you know when we when we put all of the of the things together, you know, um, we realize that that's that's something that has to be a part of that conversation. Again, I I, I oppose this idea of siloing specific issues and mm-hmm. and I think we 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 do need to talk about the throughway not when we're negotiating a gaming compact but in the in the larger conversation about our relationship with New York state. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And uh, you know, my peers, they don't even know about one of the issues, you know? So it's I you know, it started the throughway, but yes, yeah, so you have to you have to build it up. You know, this isn't just ice an isolated situation. This goes back and this goes deeper. Um, but that's part of why I want to do this project. It seems, you know, I'm I'm trying to figure out how I want to say it in my paper, because you know, saying it's a 3.6 mile easement. And you know, to some people, especially, you know, nowadays, they mean, oh, who cares? It's three miles, but it, it's it's more than that. Yeah, I and mean, you also have to consider that the land holding itself yes. is not very large. That, yeah. that we, yes, that we yeah, have. Exactly. And so when you come out with three miles, you know, that's a, still a significant amount mm-hmm. of acreage. And and again, it severs the community. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, yeah. I mean, there were roads that used to cross mm-hmm. there. I mean, there that's you know there were yeah. you know, people who can't traverse that. I mean, um, at all. I mean, we're limited to the few bridges that have never been. That will maintain, mm-hmm. although they they've been upgraded since. But uh, um, you know, we we rely on the state to provide us the means to get from one part of our territory to the other because of that throughway. Yeah. Um. And and I you know I I think it, look we see this the, the conversation came came out you know post um, um five fourteen the, the the top shooting about mm-hmm. how much you you separate a community when you put a highway through or certain mm-hmm. roads and you you can point. literally ruin neighborhoods by doing that kind of stuff and that conversation you know um wbfo has been doing this this series called what's next and they talk about all the stuff but they never bring up the racism that native people experience even yeah. when they've had a few native people on that program but if you're going to talk about 
what certain highways did to the black communities and, and not think that the throughway warrants a mm -hmm. conversation. And, but there's, seems to be almost an aversion. And, and of course, Keith, you went through this with your latest book. Yeah. Just the idea of putting the word racism in your title was, was something that was difficult for the, your publishers to oh, recognize. Absolutely. But I, to get back to, to, again, forgive me for being a historian, but uh, when you look at 1954 and, 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 and compare it to today, today natives have, have, have uh, become, uh, become a, a larger part of American consciousness than, than, it, than in the past. Still not great, but it, mm -hmm. as, as you know, many people do not know. I've had people say that, the, you know, I thought the Indians were all gone. Yeah, uh, and 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 uh, they don't understand so many of the the, the the economics, for example, of casinos and things. They think every Indian gets a hundred thousand dollars a year, and uh, and some places they do, but the, that's not the case not here. here. <laughs> and, and not at most places, I can. Yeah, I can most places you. are are not that way. Uh, and uh, but as bad as that may be today, think of what it was like in 1954. Oh, there was no economy at all, yeah, at and, all, all on but, territory. But mm -hmm. we're in the middle of the the the, the um, Indian New Deal, uh, in, you know, beginning with the Reorganization Act, uh, was supposed to change things. As soon as the as as Republicans got control of Congress, or and and time passed, period, uh, that was forgotten. And instead, in the 1950s, what do you have? Termination, relocation. I uh, have issues like uh, like like the the throughway issue. Well, and and to, and to to clarify, relocation is different than removal. Relocation yeah. was the effort to to push native people off territories by giving them some apartment in in mm -hmm. a city or a job, and and so this relocation was a national effort to reduce reservation populations and to again further assimilate native right. people mm -hmm. into. The urban um, experience, and it was uh, that was also the time of uh, forced adoptions mm -hmm. uh, and residential schools wasn't over and, yet, <laughs> and, and and forced sterilizations. Yep. Uh, yeah. and so and and then the horrible foster system, which is, is always which is a problem even for which for still life. continues, and obviously that's yeah, part of that does. Brackeen, yes, Hallen versus Brackeen it, case, but and and one of the things that one of the ways that many people got around um, the Indian Child Welfare Act was people on the Canadian side would adopt Native children from this side, and people on this side would adopt Native children from the Canadian side. So, you know, so this, this fetish almost with, with having a Native child mm -hmm. was able to be, they, they were able to exploit the border issues, which is, you know, and, and look, we see, you know, wealthy people, sometimes Hollywood stars that, that grab children from Africa or, you know, different, you know, different depressed areas, um, and re it's, whatever their intentions are, you can't help but think that some of this is about their own, you know, their own white supremacy and white mm -hmm. privilege to think, well, what could be better for a child than to be raised by a wealthy white person? And, and you know, and when we get into these conversations about um, the best interest of a child or the best interest of a community, we have other people making those decisions. And I mean, I, I think about you know, I've talked about this with you before, Keith, but when they passed the Indian Gaming Regulatory Act, we didn't need that law. The Supreme Court had already ruled, you know, only a year before that Native people could do gaming. So 
they didn't pass a law for us. They passed a law for the states. To, and, to regulate you. Right. And, and, and to regulate us. And, and, and then gave a di disproportionate amount of power to the states. And Congress was fully aware that many of our territories were, were struggling with, um, with tyrannical states that were, that were trying to take you know, resources and, and any number of things you know, from, our, from our people. Um, we we heard you know some of the rhetoric that came from state politicians, uh, you know, related to how they needed to get rid of the whole reservation system. I and mean, we we still hear people saying mm -hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. And and in 1954, mm -hmm. I think many people probably assumed in government and and general population as well that if there were still Indians around, they were grand, gradually vanishing. And you were taking steps to do that relocation, termination. Uh, adoption, all of that was uh, was just part of the long-term uh, idea that Indians were a vanishing race. Yeah, and, and because it was becoming less politically um, um, uh, correct to kill us, so mm -hmm. the, the whole idea of trying to eliminate us through you know a cultural uh, culturalization and, and assimilation and right. indoctrination became you know the the means for that. And of course, if you also create a situation where most native territories are really impoverished, you can actually choke out a people that way, both mm -hmm. economically um, oh, yes. and, and you know, again, when you talk about relocation. I mean, let's face it. Today, if you were to do an assessment on the most successful native people in the United States, you would almost always gravitate towards somebody who left their territory yeah. and who is no longer, you know, no, no longer has a career of any sort Associated with, um, I mean, we we see somebody like Deb Haaland or mm -hmm. we, we see or Sharice David or, or 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 you know or, or other you know people who, who become actors or or you know um, uh, Joy Harjo who um, who's a poet laureate. I mean, a lot of times these people have no longer um, maintained a presence on their native territory. I'm not saying they're not doing good work, I'm, and I'm not even condemning their pursuit of of what they characterize as, as success. But we, we end up in a situation where we still don't view native territories as a, as a bastion of, uh, of any type of success or, mm -hmm. you know, or, or value. Yeah, I've, I've, I've often told the story that, you know, when, when I first started really going out to Rosebud and Pine Ridge and, and those places, and, uh, and then I started taking students out, one of the things they always ask, and I just was asked this yesterday, as a matter of fact, uh, why don't they leave? I knew that's what I was going to say. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I, I couldn't answer it either. I mean, that was a tough question to answer. How do you come up with a, a good answer to that? And I finally asked my friend Don Moccasin uh, from Rosebud, and he said, they just want to be Indians. What's wrong with that? And that was a shot across my bow, for one thing, and I said, "No, that's the best answer I've ever had." Well, our the word that we call ourselves in uh, in Mohawk or in some variation of it in other the other Haudenosaunee languages is "ungwe ungwe." Yeah, and what "ungwe ungwe" means is it means a a real human being or an original human being. Mm -hmm. But that sense of being real and of being original is always tied to place. Look, I mean, the Senecas are called Senecas, but what they call themselves is the Anundawaga, and it means the people of a place, of, of, the, of, hills. of the hills of, yeah. or the mountains. Mohawk, Gunyaga'aga, the people of the, of the land of Flint. Oneida, Onyota'aga, the people of, of the standing stones. It's always the people of a place. So when you rob 
uh, a people of their history and their connection to land, um, that's that's something that that I mean, and we, and we've seen those struggles. We we've seen those struggles in during that whole removal period, because oftentimes you had native people that were shoved onto somebody else's native lands, mm-hmm. and uh, and and so conflicts and tensions would exist. So you lose a sense of your identity when you lose your connection to um, to, to that land. And the the, the whole idea there of, of uh, the rationale, I think, probably in, in terms of the throughway and, and some of the other programs is we're really doing them a favor. We're really mm-hmm. helping them out. And I, I tell you that story, too. I, I know you know about it, but the Lakota pre, uh, guy from uh, Lakota Community College, when I was looking for a place to take my students out on Pine Ridge, and he said, uh, you're not coming out here to clean up and fix up and, and all that stuff, bring your students out. I said, no, I, I want a cultural immersion program. He said, good, you people have helped us enough. And I, I said, I didn't know what to say, <laughs> quite frankly. And I, but it was the most important information I ever got about Native people. What... If, you know, they had learned, uh, he had learned, and I'm sure the Seneca have learned, Rodina uh, Shoni uh, have learned, beware of whites bearing gifts. The throughway might, $75,000, you know, we'll bring, probably said we'll bring commerce to it, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do all kinds of things. They never deliver. And well, and then when they do deliver, there, there's, there is a cost associated with everything. Yeah. I mean, two things come to mind when you talk about this idea of bearing gifts. I mean, you know, with all of the, um, the coverage of the poverty that existed in places like Pine Ridge, there was a tendency, and I know some Native people who were even doing this. They were loading up tractor trailer loads full of clothing and blankets and stuff, and they were taking them out. And most of that stuff get, was getting dumped in a pile and just going to waste out there because you just can't send an impoverished people a bunch of your old clothing and blankets. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't solve a, a problem. The problem is systemic poverty that was created through through policy. Mm-hmm. And you know, so when you know, so again, I can appreciate anybody in, in leadership saying, "Would you stop bringing the tractor trailer loads of shoes? <laughs> I mean, old shoes. We don't really need the old shoes, yeah. and, and nor do we want them." But the other thing is, I think about, you know, when, when people hear large numbers associated with, with money, there was, um, there was a land claim dispute that's still going on up in uh, Mohawk Territory. And one of the areas that there was a, a land issue and a settlement issue, in, it involved something like, it was like almost $200 million, you know, for payment for lands that, you know, that, that they had been deprived of. And there was a lot of conversation about that being a lot of money. And I said, you realize that the Senecas send that to New York State every year through gaming revenue. Mm-hmm. So what you're being led to believe is a, is a reasonable amount of money pales by comparison. And, you know, I, th- I think about a settlement that the Navajo had over uranium mining. And it, when, you, when you saw the large number, it seems impressive. But then when you divided it amongst each individual yeah, Navajo right. person or the Cabell suit when, you know, which was supposed to be somewhere in the hundred billion dollar range, gets settled for for you know four billion dollars, which doesn't ever just justly compensate for the fact that there were land, resources, you know, dollars um, 
that were squandered by the Bureau of Indian Affairs through everything from nepotism to outright theft. And, you know, we, we hear these settlements and they sound like billion, oh, four billion dollars, that's a lot of money. Yeah, but you're talking about a thousand dollar check to, you know, to people that's gone. I mean, in, you know, in a week, no. I mean, you, you didn't, and you didn't, they even took some of that money on the Cabell suit to buy back land that was illegally sold. Well, why would you have to take that out of the settlement? Why wouldn't the land just be taken back? Taken back? So some of that money went right back to white people again, you know, to, to compensate them for their loss. I mean, even though, I mean, I, I did a, um, I used to screen that film, uh, the Dakota 38. Uh, it's these guys who retraced the, the, uh, um, right. the ride um, to where they were hung in Mankato, Minnesota. And, you know, there was a young guy in the film um, who was really uncomfortable around white people. And one of the film producers, a, a guy from Long Island, says, I can't understand why people are not more appreciative of what these white folks are doing here. They, they're, they're opening up their farms, they're, 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 they're feeding their horses, they're, they're doing all this great stuff. And, and, and what he couldn't understand is that those affluent white people were rich off of that land that was once all of the land of the, mm -hmm. the Lakota. I mean, and so, yeah, it, it seems gracious enough, but they have the ability to be gracious because they have enriched themselves off of this land. Mm -hmm. And you know, if you don't, if you can't understand, you know, the awkwardness to, you know, going through this brutal ride in December, um, to retrace the this arduous trek that these guys were had to take to to be hanged, um, and while it's nice that the white folks helped them out, it's you know there, there's still this tension that exists because they are living they have these lavish ranches you know I mean you, you watch you know some of these you know these, these Netflix series and some of these things that you see on television about these you know cattlemen and that kind of stuff, man, they've, they've all made lots of money off of native lands. And, you know, and, and I can't help but bring that back home to this dispute and this conversation about the throughway. I mean, there, there are millions, billions of dollars that have been generated um, and, and are generated every year because of the commercial activity on that throughway. Mm -hmm. And beyond the tolls that are, are paid, the idea that that the Seneca Nation can't even have a, you know, a cogent conversation with with the powers that be at the state to say, look, we deserve just compensation for what for what this story has represented to you, for you, and what it has represented to us. And you know, look, we we also have the um, um, they have these easy pass things now. You don't you don't actually pay a toll. There's no reason that any native person should ever have to pay a toll on any stretch of that throughway because. All of the access that went through, it all starts out with access to our territories. Mm -hmm. And there's no toll booth operator that we have to have an argument with. There should be a simple form to fill out to send it to the Thruway Authority or whoever else and say, uh, I'm Native, I live on such and such. And, and, and frankly, even if you don't live on Native territory, that's another way to separate us, right? Mm -hmm. But there's no reason that a Native person should have to pay a toll on any road in, in the United States. It's absurd. Was um, that an issue when there were toll um, people working the tolls still when natives would pass through it? Was that an issue? Oh, we, yeah. With them? Yeah, they would, they would argue. And then, of course, then, you know, they take a license plate number. And I mean, it's, 
uh, you would get sent a bill for like the, the full stretch of the throughway, no matter which, yeah. you know, wherever we were on. But no, it, it ends up being a fight. And, and, and I think many people who did fight it would, would stay with the fight and then, and not pay the toll. But the idea that you have to do it every, each and every time yeah. that you won the throughway, mm-hmm. it, it, it becomes, it becomes very, very difficult. And mm-hmm. It's um, a burden. Yeah, it, it, it is a burden. And and it that would be a real easy thing for the state to do. That I mean, that would be an easy olive branch for the state to extend. And, you know, and, and I've even suggested when, when Seneca's run for office, that should be one of their platform issues to, to eliminate, you know, any of the tolls on the, on the throughway. And, you know, but it's, but again, it's hard to have that conversation when the 800-pound gorilla in the room is the fact that all of those vehicles are riding out across Seneca land and the state is making money off of it, mm-hmm. you know, both in terms of tolls and, again, the the incredible economic impact. I mean, understanding what the interstate system was all about, I mean, it, it is it, it was geared towards, you know, making commerce flow straight, you know, more easily. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and again, I, I, I can't help but you know, consider the fact that you have rail, interstate, you know, you have other U.S. routes and secondary roads that all run through um, through Seneca territory, uh, and every every one of our territories. I mean, at, at some point, there is you know, there, I mean, even the Mohawks even have the have the the seaway that runs, and they literally cut through Mohawk land to you know to mm-hmm. to make that seaway work. I mean, so what the amount of um, of land and access that that we have been deprived of. Um, and, and you would think, well, Jesus, Seaway, why don't they set up a port and they could do co- trade? No, that's that's another mm-hmm. obstacle that we we never quite can get get over. So, mm-hmm. I mean, for for all of the things that uh, you know that, that people think that we have an advantage over, we have tremendous disadvantages. We don't have access to the same banking products that people off territory have because we can't collateralize you know loans with with our land uh, nor would we want to but but because we can't and won't we're we can't we can't go get a bank, a house mortgage mm-hmm. from a from a standard bank without a housing program on a territory i mean we we can buy a buy a mobile home that had on wheels because if we don't pay they can come and they can haul it away but <laughs> but it, you know you think the businesses that exist here there are no there's no ability for a um for a Seneca to get a loan to start a business. They, they simply can't do it. And in fact, even when we think about programs like SBA, in order to qualify for an SBA loan or, or any of these SBA programs, we have to be socially and economically disadvantaged. And here's the thing. In order to qualify to be economically disadvantaged, you have to have your personal net worth below a certain threshold. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what the threshold is anymore. But since we are almost forced to have our businesses operate as DBAs rather than corporations, we can't separate our business, the value of our business, from our personal net worth. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so, so hardly any Senecas, any Seneca who has a smoke shop, for instance, or a gas station or whatever else, they cannot qualify for an SBA loan. Because the entire asset of their business goes to their personal net worth. Every other place in the United States, you can separate your business from your from your personal net worth. Mm-hmm. But that's not the case um, that exists. You know, so these are are sometimes little things or subtle things. But you know, for all of the the 
the the benefits that the the average American thinks that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, uh, even things like gaming. Yeah. I mean, when you consider the fact that the Senecas give away almost fifty percent. You know, every so well, wasn't only twenty five percent. No, it was twenty five percent of the net slot drop of their of their slot machines. That was before any expenses. So that twenty five percent that the state took, the seventy five percent of the Senecas, they have to operate the casinos out of that. Yeah. So when you do the math on a net revenue, it's it, it was close to fifty percent. The state was literally getting forty nine percent of the revenue from uh, from the Seneca gaming. Mm-hmm. In a revenue sharing agreement, where the Senate, where the state is still competing directly against them with everything from racinos to lottery to now sports betting and, yeah. and any number of things, I mean it's 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 an insane situation. But again, like like with the throughway situation, when you look to the the federal government, whose responsibility is to make sure that we are not taken advantage of, they are hesitant to do anything. Mm-hmm. Whether it's Deb Haaland with the Interior Department, or whether it's you know any any federal judge who sits sits behind the bench. You know, I once wrote a poem about white men in black robes. And, um, you know, and we we think about these guys coming off the ship, right? These these uh, church folks coming off the ship and declaring that the land is now, you know, part of Christendom. Um, we think about the, the, the schoolmasters in their, in their black robes and that kind of stuff, these mm-hmm. priests and, that abused our children. We think about all of that stuff. We think about these these judges who rule against us, and then we think about today a judge who can literally look at our people and say, "Yeah, but you're not the people you once were. You did everything to stop us from being the people that we once mm-hmm. were, and now as we're still trying to assert our distinction and our autonomy, our you know our, our identities, you want to say that you know that we aren't those people anymore. I mean, it, it's." There's a level of absurdity to that mm-hmm. that is almost incredible. Oh yeah, and, and hypocrisy yeah. too. I mean, we we criticize every other country in the world for their crimes against humanity, but um, America has committed millions of crimes against humanity. <laughs> millions. I don't even. Yeah, I don't even know what number to use. But yeah, I mean, you, you think about everything from dropping y- atomic bombs. Right. On, on yeah, it's it's uncountable, yeah, and that's yeah. how that's how the world is. But we hold, you know, American exceptionalism is is such a big. Well, that's thing. almost a euphemism for white supremacy at this point. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's not it really honestly, is. because if you're gonna use that expression, <clears throat> and we've even seen, you know, the first black president use it. We also heard, mm-hmm. saw that first black president. Praise the Homestead Act. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I remember seeing that interview where he talked about the courage of the the settlers and you know, all that <laughs> other stuff. And yeah, but they were killing Native people. You, you, the whole Homestead Act was was responsible for the essentially the, the Sioux Wars and, and that kind of even those guys mm-hmm. who were you know executed by Abraham Lincoln and yeah. and Mankato, Minnesota. It's like, how do you even bring that up without understanding the 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 totality of the story. And again, we talk about silos. If you if you're only going to look at, you know, the Homestead Act as these, you know, as Michael Landon and Little House on the Prairie and that kind of stuff and not consider the violence and, you know, and the other thing that 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 goes along with that is the fact even when the United States makes a promise, you're going to get paid. The reason that those Lakota wars existed all those years was because the payments never came. Or they wouldn't come for decades later. So you had li- literally had people, you know, starving to death. Um, 
And, you know, and it always makes it sound like the, those mean old Indians raided those, uh, those you know, those <laughs> women and children. Yeah. And, you know, but uh, everything from the gold rush to, you know, manifest destiny, all of that stuff has always been at the expense of, of Native people. Mm -hmm. And not just at the financial expense, but the, the expense of lives. I mean, we were once 100% of the population of this continent. And when you get down into the, you know, in, into the mid 1800s, the, the total native population in the United States was only about a quarter of a million people. Mm -hmm. And today, if you, of course, it's always difficult to assess wh what is and isn't a native person mm -hmm. because, you know, according to the, I don't know if you saw this, but the, in the 2020 census, they determined that the native population had grown by those who self-reported in the census had grown by 87% from 2010 to 2020, which is impossible. Yeah. You can't increase a population, but yeah. unless you imported them from another planet, yeah. somebody left wow. and came back. No, it's impossible. But if you really assess people who can prove that they're native people, we still only represent about mm -hmm. one-tenth of one percent of the U.S. population. Yeah. So, you know, it gets back to that conversation about where our power lies. And and I argue that our power doesn't lie with our ability to vote in the elections. Mm -hmm. Our power lies with our distinction. And, and affirming that distinction, whether it's associated with land, whether it's associated with you know, where the edges of our territories are, or trying to reclaim lost land. Mm -hmm. you know, the Seneca's got put in a tough situation because even in their gaming compact, they had negotiated away some parts of their of the Salamanca Lee Settlement Act where, that enabled them to reacquire lost land. In fact, they put a limit to it. They said they would only purchase so many millions of dollars worth of land and 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 the land they would acquire, um, this is all in, in the compact, mm -hmm. the lands that they acquire would, would only, except for the gaming sites, all of the other land acquisition would be for non-commercial activity. Well, why would you agree to that? And you know that these are white lawyers that are advising them to say, you know, if you throw that in there, you know, you, you can gain some political will from the state. Mm -hmm. There was never a requirement that we had to buy the state off mm -hmm. to, to do gaming. And that's something that's still, that's why those billboards are up on the throughway. Because yeah. the Senecas are trying to convince the non-Native population that we are being screwed by the state. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what, and, and that is, that's historically been the case. You know, so the oh, fact yeah. that we can talk about that today in 1954, 1934, I mean, we can go all, all the way back. And, yeah. and, and it's, you know, every, it's almost like every treaty or every agreement or every law that was passed that was supposed to provide some level of protection, that they were all fraud because they were never intended to, to fully uh, do what they, they claimed to. So every treaty was, was, uh, was approved to be broken. Mm -hmm. And we know that. Because, I mean, you, you can actually hear it in, in the language that comes from, you know, some of, some of the elected politicians of the time. You know, yeah, we'll, we'll get them to sign this and it'll appease them. Mm -hmm. You know, so these were, you know, just the ability with a stroke of a pen to try to, you know, buy cooperation um, without ever having to pay anything. Yeah. So, but I want to, you know, look, I'm, I'm glad you're doing this project. What, where do you see... Um, where do you go from here, and and what what's the what's your your final uh, what's your your deliverable as far as you, you're concerned? <laughs> well, um, my deliverable, I would love to write a, a publishable work. 
Um, so I try to get it published. Um, from here, I'm going, I just really want to talk to more uh, Seneca members mm -hmm. who, you know, have been affected, who have opinions on this. I want to I want to amplify um, their voices um, through this project. So I mean, I still have to look at, you know, the tribal records that they have. Um, I have to get permission for that. Um, but but moving forward, I mean, after after this conversation, um, I, I definitely think my work, it's obviously going to focus initially on the throughway, but I think it's going to expand broader into um, New York State's actions yeah. Um, yeah. as over over time. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, because it, it seems like um, the best um, conversations that you still need to have are not just with the, the current elected officials, but mm -hmm. some that perhaps were previously. Yes, because, yep. you know, honestly, you know, people who are in those elected positions sometimes are, are very difficult. Mm -hmm. They they don't feel at liberty to, to speak candidly. Yeah, makes sense. Um, and, and one of the things that, that is both, it's a, it's, a, it's, a leg, it's a blessing and a curse for me, in a way. There aren't great speakers for the Seneca Nation. And, and I find that anytime there's an issue that hits the news, we are not real good at public relations. Mm -hmm. You know, the fact that, they, that they're trying to do this campaign to try to make some people aware and, and gain some public um, opinion in favor, um, they haven't been good at this. And, and so often I'd like, I'll get the phone call, and I'm not Seneca. I, mm -hmm. I live here. Yeah. And yeah. I've, I, I even had somebody call me a couple of weeks ago about um, this, this, the governor had vetoed a burial sites protection yep. uh, law that was unanimously passed through the state legislature, and she vetoed it. And they, I think, they're still trying to put it into this budget. Um, you know, they add all these other things to to these budget conversations. So they're trying to pass it again, and and they've done some appeasement to the governor to try to get it get it through. So a news reporter called me, and they and they said, look. Can you recommend somebody that I can talk to? I said, you know, talk to the guys down in Long Island. They've actually been more on the forefront of this. Um, um, the Shinnecock and the Puspatuck. Uh, talk to those guys because um, they they have been pushing this issue. And two hours later, she called me up and says, I can't find anybody to talk to. Would you be willing to do an interview? I mean, and she, she literally said, I love talking to you, but I can't find anybody else to talk to. And I don't always want to have you be the go-to guy. And yeah. so, but... You know there are very knowledgeable people here, and yeah. um, you know, and 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 trying to have the conversation in a relaxed atmosphere. And I, I may be able to hook you up with something. Yeah, I mean, that'd um, be that'd be great. Uh, and it doesn't have to be you know formal or anything. I just want you know your perspectives as Native Americans in New York. I, I want to hear how this has you know affected you guys today in the past. Um, yeah, all that. I, you know, I, I want this to be a story about Native Americans, you know, not so much about New York, even though it has to be. But Well, I mean, it, the, the, the struggle that we have, the, the, the fight that we have with New York State, uh, that is fairly perpetual I mean, mm -hmm. because there's always yeah. some aspect to it. I mean, honestly, as we sit here today, um, the, the, the building that we're attached to is, mm -hmm. uh, is, is Ross John and Ross and Holly John's smoke shop. Mm -hmm. As far as New York State is concerned, every product on those shelves is contraband today. Really? And they still maintain that. And they have federal law 
the the cigarette con or contraband cigarette trafficking act they have a federal law that kind of supports the state's claim because we don't have state stamps on mm -hmm. our on our product here we don't stamp new york state tax stamps on the product here and both the federal government and the state government says any product in new york state that doesn't have a stamp on it is contraband mm -hmm. but we still can't get a full resolution and acknowledgement that this isn't new york state mm -hmm. and yeah. So this this ends up being the challenge that we have, and you know, and of course, the other challenge is that that product has to be shipped here. So it's at risk when we're on the throughway, mm -hmm. and when we're on you know secondary roads. And the fact that our commerce is something that is still under fire mm -hmm. by the by the state government and to some extent the federal government is something that we're we're constantly dealing with. So even as we're we're trying to have a conversation about sharing revenue. We are fighting New York State over things like there's still that ongoing fight over mm -hmm. over things like tobacco and and tobacco taxes and that kind of stuff. So, you know, and that doesn't even address some of the controversy. I think that still lies with whether the federal government has the right to tax, um, you know, and what they have the right to tax here. I mean, what one of the re ways that the the Seneca Nation fights this uh, the IRS over. Um, distributions of, uh, of their annuities, as they call it, is the Seneca Nation doesn't distribute gaming revenue. What the Seneca Nation distributes to its membership is the lease that the gaming corporation pays to the Seneca Nation mm -hmm. for the land that the casino operates on. That In that way, lease income is not taxable as far as the federal government. So we got to jump through these hoops just to avoid tax liability. And, you know, so it's, it's, a, it's a crazy existence that most people are completely unaware of. Yep. You know, yeah, exactly. when, when people don't even know, aren't aware that we even exist, that's a yeah. problem mm -hmm. um, because it makes it even harder to have a conversation about how we exist in, in a world that, uh, that is constantly trying to, you know, bury us yeah. for all intents and purposes. So. No, for sure. Well, I want to thank you for joining me. Um, I will try to assist you in getting some other conversations yes, with awesome. some folks that um, you know that, that also may be able to assist you to have a conversation. <laughs> with yeah. But I think the you know the work that you're doing could um, could help. Um, yes. Yeah. At very least, if you could produce something that is publishable, we um, we can the story can be told, yeah. and uh, and That's more of our do. voices and more Seneca voices that you can include in that. Um, the better uh, mm -hmm. for you know for accuracy and, and and for understanding the real sentiment because I, I think I, I th there is a real sense because on our territory look there are haves and have nots here mm -hmm. not everybody has a smoke shop not everybody works for the casino um, the annuities that they get are you know aren't enough to lift you know somebody who is in poverty out of poverty mm -hmm. um, and there's still a fairly high poverty rate even yeah. even on native territories mm -hmm. here and on this one it, it, in, in spite of the fact that there, there's three casinos. Um, yeah. but I, I think that those have and have nots, um, kind of fade away when, when push comes to shove and, and we do end up in a, in a all out battle with New York state. Um, it's not just the smoke shop owners. It's not just the people who are affluent that, uh, that toe the line. And, you know, we, we get old pictures like that. And that, that picture up there on the wall is actually from the, <laughs> the uh, throwaway battle yeah. back in the nineties or the eighties. I'm sorry. Um, no, that was early 90s. Yeah, and, the 90s, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, so we, this is what we 
this is a part of who we are. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. you know, the radio show I do in New York and Washington is called Resistance Radio mm -hmm. because, you know, it isn't enough that we just exist mm -hmm. to demonstrate our resistance. But there's, at, at some level, we, in order to exist, we have to resist, you know, that not just the temptation to just leave, you know, as, as so many people say, I mean, you know, why, do they, why do we live here? I mean, um, I can give you a whole list of reasons too, but to, to stay, but there's also, you know, there's always a pressure for us to, to leave our territories mm -hmm. and to find success somewhere else. And, uh, and of course that doesn't do much to help, uh, help our communities and our children and that kind of stuff. If, if our, if our best and brightest all leave for, you know, chasing, you know, dollar signs or success, it doesn't leave a, uh, a great gene pool behind, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. so. But Grace, I want to thank you for coming. Yeah, um, Keith, it's always a pleasure to see you. And mm -hmm. I want to uh, thank you for, for thinking of, uh, of me to, to even have this conversation. Um, well, I, thank you for, for having us. I yeah. appreciate it. I, uh, I, I was trying to find somebody uh, who could... Uh, was most knowledgeable about this, and the only person I could think of was John Kane. So uh, <laughs> there, I, there are others, and, and, yeah, and, sure. and we will try to get you connected yeah. with some of yeah. those folks. You, you this was very informative. Them, so. uh, there, it, it, she's, you know, she's only she's in Cleveland, which is only a, three hours away, mm -hmm. or not even sure. that from from uh, from here. Oh yeah, it's and, especially uh, if you travel through it. Yep. <laughs> yes, I'm guilty. She, I travel the throughway. She has her easy pass. Yeah. I just want you to know that. Yeah. And uh, she and and she is come. She'll be coming in and out of the towns. Uh, she does have to go to Albany to to look yeah. at the archives there. Uh, but in the meantime, if you could hook her up with people, or yeah, I people, yeah, I would I would appreciate it as well. Yeah, I think that uh, I I think it's in. Seneca's best interest to, to help yeah. uh, help some of this research be done. I don't know what the the current status of of the legal argument is, but um, yeah, it, you know, it it won't. No matter what determination comes out of um, the current fight, it doesn't mean that it's ever over because mm -hmm. we're still here. The throughway's still there. Mm -hmm. So as long as these things continue to exist, um, uh, coexist peacefully or otherwise, mm -hmm. there's always going to that controversy is going to continue. So we'll see where that goes. Again, yeah. I want to thank you guys for, yeah. for joining me. Well, thank, thank you. you. It's, it's always great to, to see you, and it's very, been you. very nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. Okay. All right.